What's up, my party people? Welcome back to another episode of the Fulfillment Podcast, where we help break through in life, relationships, and finance. I'm your host, Josh, and I want to talk about the piece of one of the topics that we were discussing last week. Um, we were going over learned helplessness, and I could not figure out the word that I was looking for the other half of this. And I, I've listened to uh, Jason Capital's podcast a few different times, so I ended up getting it out. It's learned helplessness and radical resourcefulness. And I want to explain a little bit about what each of those mean so there's not really like any confusion around it because I think if you can understand these concepts, it's going to change a lot of things because it does for me, right? It literally helped me buy the last house and it's got me to a point to where uh, this current real estate transaction that I'm doing, I'm just like, I'm doing it. And I understand while this may be something that felt impossible, right? I'm trying to, trying to, I have a VA mortgage on one home cool thing about a VA, if you guys don't know a VA mortgage, is you can actually put zero money down to purchase a property. That's one of like the massive benefits of being a veteran is having that the, the option to be able to use that. So I did three years ago on my first house. And now I want to pull it off and I want to put it on a bigger home, right? I'm trying to buy like a $530,000 place <clears throat> and uh, it's a lot of money down, right? That's if you're putting 10% down, that's 53,000. So it's, it's quite a chunk of change if you're going to put it down on a home. If I can keep that money, I'd rather do the, uh, have a couple other build projects that I need to do in terms of building ADUs and adding um, unit count to my Airbnbs so I can bring in more revenue. So I'd rather save the money and do that than throw it down on the place that I'm living in, which isn't really going to do anything for me. So trying to do a whole bunch of stuff with all that, but being able to do what I've done and like kind of learn a lot of the things that I've gotten to, uh, taking this learned um, helplessness and kind of throwing it aside and just being as resourceful as possible. I want to, I want to break it down and kind of like get you guys to understand a little bit of why it's so strong and why it's so important. Um, when I was doing this last real estate transaction, right, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew I had a goal to get three properties in three years. And this was my last shot. We had put in several offers on other homes and uh they had gone under contract and then lenders have fallen out and deals were on like not holding up and stuff so financing wasn't getting approved like it was just a massive pain in the ass through through like three i think we had went under contract in like three other homes until we came to this one and then we were at the wire right so it was almost like a do or die kind of thing like we, we pull this off and we accomplish the mission if we don't then we we fail the mark right we missed the goal so it was kind of like a do or die. And I just had this really good feeling that this was the one, that this was going to pull off. And if you were any normal person looking at the transaction, looking at the deal from the outside, you'd be like, these guys are fucking high as a kite because there's no way in hell that they're going to be able to pull this deal off. I mean, I was unemployed at the time, right? Technically unemployed while I was making money and bringing in a lot. It was not, none of it was on paper, right? None of it was in taxes and stuff. So it was just, it looked very, very minimal was bringing in um, uh, an outside, like a co-signer in on the deal too. The investor was co-signing on the deal. So they brought a nice chunk of change and they were signing. But I mean, like everything from start to finish looks sideways on this deal. The only thing was I knew in my heart that this was somehow going to work. And I listened to one of Jason Capital's podcast episodes and he talks about what to do when life punches you in the gut, right? And this is kind of like on the last episode that I did. I go through a little bit of the same thing and I talk about it, but I wanted to go a little bit more in depth because I re-listened to it and I remember more of what it was I was going to say. And I could not find the word for 
the radical resourcefulness. And while we talked about learned helplessness in the last one, let's focus this episode on the radical resourcefulness part. And I think what better example to use than the, that real estate purchase that literally looked almost like it was impossible. I swear to God, it was impossible from every aspect imaginable. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any credit. I didn't, well, I didn't have, uh, I did have credit. That was the only thing I guess on my side that really, really helped, but I didn't have any money. I didn't have a job. I had no way of proving anything. I was like, the deal was dead on paper any way you looked at it. Uh, but we brought in a, uh, a hard money lender and we pretty much went through all the stuff that we were trying to do, everything that we were trying to accomplish. And uh, somehow like we got them right to agree to it and to go. Well, we got through this, we, we started submitting paperwork and going through the, the approval process and all this stuff. As we were under contract on the home, right? So the, the sellers agreed to sell us the home for a price and we were under contract with them. Going through the funding, going through the finance, getting all the stuff done. Like roadblock after roadblock, somehow we were overcoming these things. And we get to a point where the lender's like, hey, we, we can't, like, we're not going to do this anymore. It was getting to the point where we needed them to schedule an appraisal. The appraisal wasn't getting scheduled for whatever reason. It was like a drop the ball on them kind of thing. But it was like, okay, how can I be involved, right? In this whole process, I really adapted this thing of radical resourcefulness and see if you can kind of pick up on this this theme as we go through it. I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but now looking back at it, you can kind of pick up on it. So I was going through, the lender was like, hey, we can't do it. They were originally going to fund a renovation project and a build project. We were going to build one of these auxiliary dwelling units, guest cottage, garage type things on the back of the property as part of the purchase. We were going to get the funding to do all that stuff. And uh, come about 14 weeks out from closing, so really, really tight, right? They still hadn't ordered the appraisal. And they came to us and they called us and they were like, Hey, we can't fund the deal the way it's structured right now. We it's a change of use and it goes against this loan term policy and like all these things. And they're like, we won't be able to fund the deal. And I'm like, well, we have to be able to fund the deal, otherwise we lose it and the the seller is gonna give the deal to somebody else. Like there's a cash there's there was like two or three cash buyers who were waiting to purchase the home if we were to mess up. And we, we were in $50,000 under asking. The only reason we got it was because she, the seller had to move. She had like previously committed to a purchase in Mexico and was under contract there. So she needed our deal to go through. That's the only way we were able to get $50,000 under. The house appraised for far, far above that. So somehow we pulled all this nonsense off, right? We, we got the craziest deal possible that we could have. Like the best location, seriously, Grade A location, the best possible spot it could be in. So we're under contract. We get about 14 days out, and the lender tells us that they can't do it because it falls outside of their loan policy because it's a change of use. And I'm like, we have been talking about this since day one. Like, there is no surprise here about what we were going to do with the property. And uh, needless to say, we end up restructuring the loan instead of doing this renovation and build and all this stuff. We just did a 30 year fix with the same lender. Now, mind you, this is a hard money lender, not a conventional lender. So the terms are really not favorable. Whenever you're working with hard money, the only thing that's good about it is you can generally get the money to do just about anything. The problem is you're going to pay through your teeth about it. You're going to be paying all sorts of fees and early termination fees and early refinance fees. And there's guaranteed minimums tied into everything, which if you guys don't know what that's about, just, just picture dollar signs, right? Just picture dollar signs going out the window. That's, that's what essentially these hard money lenders do, but that's how they make their money, right? They, they make their money, they pool up investors, they get money, they, they give it to 
um, people buying real estate that maybe are in a different you know spot in life to where they can't get the debt to income ratio lined up properly so they need to go to hard money so that's what ended up happening right we ended up looking at a 30-year fixed mortgage with a hard money lender so is it very unfavorable terms like the interest rate was like six or seven percent right super super high and then if we refinanced early so if you refinance out of that loan in the first like five years you pay like a really hefty refinance fee because basically what they want to do is they want you to stick with them for at least five years they want to make their money with you and if you if you agree to super favorable terms or if you agree to these terms and get the money and then you refinance into a better loan in the first like i don't know six months or whatever then they they miss out right on their like investment opportunities so they're they're in the business of making money so if you were to do that then they're not going to be making money so that's why they have these early refinance fees and stuff structured into their loans so we were essentially agreeing to have this incredibly unfavorable loan put together for us well they still didn't do the appraisal okay so the appraisal is a big piece and that's one of the contingencies usually for most lenders is you have to have a appraisal completed you have to have an appraisal completed so that they know the value of the home and then they can give you the money for it right they give you the funding so you can purchase this place well they still had done the appraisal we were at this point we were probably like 12 days out right 12 of 11 days out so like timeline getting close the problem with the appraisals is in the area that i live in that we were buying in the appraisers are super backed up there are so many people buying and selling homes that the appraisal like market the network of appraisers is like cashed out like is completely maxed there's there's not a lot of variance in that market so so i knew that it was going to take us at least a week which means if we're at seven or if we're at 11 days from when we need to be signing the papers to to have the keys if we're 11 days out and this is going to take at least seven that gives us three days for that report to be filed for the lenders to actually take everything and put the packet and paperwork together to get the funding approved and then to get that funding processed so that I can actually buy the home and hold the home. So a lot of things had to happen and I knew it was, it's, it's essentially at that point, it's like an impossible feat. Like the appraisal needs to be scheduled like 20 to 30 days out, not five, right? So I knew at this point it was pretty much an impossible feat. So remember keeping into this radical resourcefulness, right? what I did next was like, I'm like, I need to find another lender. I need to find somebody else that can pull something off in this minimal time because these guys are dragging their feet and they are not doing what they need to. They, they just weren't scheduling this appraisal. And I can't schedule the appraisal as the buyer because if I do, then it's it's a conflict of interest and then it, it needs to be like detached from me. I need, to, I need to have no influence on somebody else essentially appraising my home. So it has to be like them doing it so that they can trust that the appraisal was done without me influencing it and saying, hey, price it a little higher. Give me a few extra bucks on there, you know. Um, So they have to do it and they weren't doing it. So what I ended up doing was being resourceful again, right? I wasn't recognizing this. I didn't realize this at the time, but I was being as resourceful as I possibly could because I did not want to lose this deal. I had a goal, a personal goal that I had set for myself. I had an investor involved who was expecting this was going to work out. And I had, I had to achieve that. I was going to lose this deal if we couldn't pull it off. It was going to go to somebody else. So I was being as resourceful as I possibly could. I reached out to some contacts, got in touch with another lender who was able to do a post-closing appraisal, which if you guys, this is kind of like getting into the weeds and like, this is pretty advanced stuff here. But in real estate, the appraisal is super important. 
these guys were willing to do a post-closing appraisal, which means that they would fund the home, they would fund the purchase, they would give you everything that they needed, they would purchase the home, and then the appraisal could be completed after the purchase, and if you're short, then you have to come up and you have to pay the mortgage company whatever amount it is that you're short. Now, if the appraisal's good or it's over, then you're clear, then there's, there's not an issue. But if it's short, then you gotta pay for it. But the biggest thing is most lenders won't do that. They won't do that if it's uh, pre, like they have to do the appraisal before closing and giving you the money to purchase the property. These guys were willing to do it after. So I actually reached out to these lenders, found out that they did this, talked this in, started working the process with them, working the, the loan procedure and everything, and stopped talking to the first lenders. I stopped talking to them altogether. I didn't, I didn't know what they were doing. They weren't reaching out to me. Nothing was happening, and I was like, forget it. I'm going with these people full force. And we did. And we actually, I got because I had all the paperwork, right? I had everything that I needed to get to them. I had it all available, so it's not like I was digging through stuff and taking weeks on end to get everything done. I was able to process all this stuff, get it straight to these guys. They processed the loan, got the funding approved, got everything done in like a week. We were able to sign early on the house, uh, two days early before the actual designated closing date. I signed to, to purchase the home. Everything was approved. And then the appraisal was done after, and appraisal came back clear and everything. Moral of this story, what I, got, what I really, really, really want you guys to, to understand to walk away and not a lot of people like to hear this. But if you can learn and tell yourself there is always a way, no matter what, there is always a way to pull off the solution. You may just you may not have the experience, you may not know the solution yourself, but somebody somebody does. You just have to find out who it is that knows that solution. And that's why people say networking is the most powerful asset you have. Because if you don't know the answer to something, somebody does. And if you have a good network of people, you're going to know people that know those solutions. And they're going to be degrees closer. Right? They won't be separated from you as far. They'll be far, far closer in your, in your degree of separation. They'll be a lot closer to you. So it was just me reaching out to the right people to find the solutions. And I told myself, I'm like, I'm not going to lose this house. There's somehow I can pull this house off. I'm not going to just be like, oh, well, we can't do it. The lender said it's not possible. I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. Somehow I'm going to figure this out. There's a solution out there and I just have to find it. And when you think like that, problems come like these, these, uh, these issues and stuff that you have, these solutions come to you. They just, they find you. You, you get good at being resourceful. And that's what, if you tell yourself, there's always a solution to everything. Everything has a solution. There's always a way. There's always a way to figure something out. You just maybe not, you don't know how, you don't have the experience, or you don't know the person that can teach you it yet. And you just have to figure those out. And that's far easier to do than it is to actually have that answer and have that solution at your hands. So it's always understanding and being in that way. Think that way, right? Be, be radically resourceful. Be as resourceful as you possibly can and always tell yourself and always remind yourself that there's always a solution. There's always a problem that can be fixed. Like the, the problems always can be fixed. There's always a solution to every problem that presents itself to you in your life. And no matter what you look at, if you're looking at relationships, if you're looking at uh, gym workouts, if you're looking at physical things, if you're looking at home and real estate stuff, if you're looking at business, if you're looking at your job, right? No matter what it is you're looking at, there is always a way to achieve whatever it is you're trying to do. And one thing, one thing Jason Capital says too, which plays into this, and it helps you understand a little bit better, 
Be determined about the outcome, but be fluid about the method. And that means as long as you stay focused on what it is you're trying to achieve, you're, you're almost you're willing to sacrifice the different things that you think it takes to get to that solution. You're willing to let go of those things and you're willing to, to find whatever it is that works. Whatever it is that works, even if that means letting go of things you love, of people you love, of relationships you love, if you're trying to get to that end state, you may have to sacrifice certain things to get there. But as if you're fluid about the method, then the outcome will exist. You will get that outcome. It's like letting go of an identity to get there. I had to let go, excuse me, I had to let go of my military identity. I had to let go of who I thought I was as an army soldier, as an officer in the army. And all the things I did in that life, I'd let go of those things and realize that life was then. I did everything I could. I have no regrets there. I accomplished a lot. Now I have to let go of that identity, be fluid about the outcome, right? The, the outcome or be fluid about the method uh, fixed on the outcome. The outcome requires me to change the method. The method is not going to be army officer anymore. The method is going to be entrepreneur, Josh. It's going to be podcasting, Josh. It's going to be expert capital, JR Media. You know, it's going to be co-host management, Josh. It's going to be a different version of Josh than Army Josh. And I have to be fluid with that understanding and fluid with that method. And if I do that, then I'm telling myself, I'm giving myself the permission that there's always a solution. I have to understand that sometimes I have to let go of things in order to get there. And if I'm fluid about the method to get there, I'm always going to get there. I'm always going to find whatever solution it is. Because the only reason people get stuck on things and can't solve problems or get uh, turned down or fail at things is because they're fixed on the method, not fixed on the outcome. They're, They're fluid on the outcome and they're fixed on the method. Switch those around and you'll always achieve the outcome and your method is going to be different. Most likely always than what you initially start out to be. Think about that. Be fixed on the outcome, fluid on the method, not fixed on the method and fluid on the outcome. If I would have given up on this home, that would have been me being fluid on the outcome of purchasing and achieving that goal that I had to get three properties in three years. I wasn't fluid on that. I was fixed on that. That goal was going to happen, which means I am going to have to be fluid on the method it's going to take to get there, which means I'm going to have to ruin relationships. I did. That that first lender won't even talk to me anymore. They actually kept an appraisal. I got that appraisal order. They kept it. It was like a $1,000 appraisal, right? Nothing, just cheap. But they kept the appraisal, never refunded me or anything, won't even speak to me. They won't return emails or anything because they got so upset and frustrated that we went through all that work And then I ended up going with somebody else at the very last second. But I wasn't going to be fluid about the outcome. I was going to get that house. And if I didn't make a decision to change, I was going to lose that property. So that means I had to be fluid about the method, which means letting go of those people as my lenders and understanding that that relationship may be destroyed. And that's okay with me because I'm fixed on that outcome of achieving that goal. Make that a lesson you guys put into your brains today. If you take anything away from that, take that. Be f- choose what you want to be fixed on, but understand if it's the method or the outcome, whichever one you're fixed on, the other one is going to be what's fluid. The other one is going to be the one that's going to change. So determine what it is you want to accomplish and what you're trying to do, and then understand what that result is going to mean on the backside. Hope you guys like this one. I personally fucking like this one. I think that was a revelation that I just had. So hope you guys take something away from this use that 
as always, like, subscribe, share this podcast. I've been dropping some Easter eggs in some of these. There's a uh, there's a pivot coming. There is. There's a pivot coming in the future, in the near future, the next probably 60 days or so. So there's big things happening, guys. If you guys want, stay tuned. Like I said, I gave you a, a few little treats here today on some of the things that I do, drop some business names. Um, so one of them is obviously my real estate acquisition business, and we were doing some wild things there. There's also another pivot coming uh, somewhere else in the show, and I just keep dropping little Easter eggs that you guys will figure out once everything happens. But hope you guys like this. Hope you guys enjoy this show. Hope you guys took a lot away from this. Hope you found some value in this episode. Like, subscribe, and share the episode with somebody you think that deserves it. If you think this was a shitty episode, then don't do those things. Sometimes that happens, and sometimes I'm not in my game, but I don't think that today was one of those times. So if you got somebody that needs to hear this, by all means, share the episode with them. Help grow this podcast. And we will see you guys in the next one. See ya.